20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packer fans? Welcome in to an all-new episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, check out those Pack-A-Day Podcast YouTube memberships. You won't be disappointed, I promise. A really fun discussion today, and that is going to be going over potential trade candidates for the Packers. Now, we're at the point in the offseason where we talk about free agency and the draft and the salary cap and all these different things, but trades have been a pretty significant part of this. Packers franchise in recent years. Now we can go back to Brett Favre. We can talk about Demarius Randall for Deshaun Kaiser. But as of late, Aaron Rodgers this past season, Devontae Adams the season before that, there have been some fairly significant trades that the Packers have made uh, to change really the entire complexion of their team in very significant ways, especially these past two seasons. Now, as I went through this and looked at some potential trade candidates, To be totally honest, it was a lot harder to find potential trade candidates when you look at this roster. This roster is primarily made up of a young core that you really don't want to see go anywhere. They have a ton of young, exciting players, and you really have no interest in trading the vast majority of those players away. You have some small subset of veterans, but a lot of those, Aaron Jones, Kenny Clark, I think Preston Smith belongs in this list as well. Like you kind of just want to keep those guys. There's another subset of older veteran players like a Devondre Campbell that just doesn't have any trade value based on the contract that he has. So trying to find a handful of players that the Packers would willingly trade that would have trade value and realistically could happen is actually fairly challenging. But I think I have a list of five that makes some sense. There's a few of these that made, uh, you know, right away is in is the reason that I wanted to make the video. But as you got deeper and deeper into it, you're like, man, there's just not a ton of realistic, real options, but I do have five. So let's get to them right away. And let's start with number one, because this is a conversation that I've been wanting to have because there's buzz out there. There've been some cryptic tweets or I guess Instagram posts, whatever it might be. That is Jair Alexander. This is a very interesting conversation in and of itself, and we probably just could have labeled this video, Will the Packers Trade Jair Alexander? Probably would have been a more clickbaity title. I don't know, but either way, let's talk about this. Jair Alexander drafted by Green Bay. Remember, they did that brilliant draft move where they move back in the draft, pick up a future first round pick, then move back up in the draft for far cheaper and still get Jair Alexander out of it. He comes in, he immediately is great from pretty much day one as that awesome game against the Rams, his first season where he shuts down Brandon Cooks, really fun stuff, and then goes on to be an all pro. And then you have the 2021 season where he gets hurt almost the entirety of the year, comes back in that divisional round game against the 49ers when they lose. 2022, he goes through a part of the season then gets a little bit hurt again. He has mostly, I think he was a second team all pro that year, but if you go back and watch it, it was fine, but not spectacular play from him at corner. He really was a lot more tentative as a tackler and in run defense. And then 2023, he has a really rough start to the season, then has a plethora of injuries, comes back, gets suspended for the whole, you know, captain issue for one game. And really Green Bay laid down the gauntlet for Jair Alexander. They suspended him without pay for a game and they made it very clear 
right away that this was a difficult decision, that they love Jair, that they have full intentions of him being a Green Bay Packer for the foreseeable future. And they really, I think, just wanted to see a response from him. And more importantly, see how he was going to respond. Was this somebody that they could still count on moving forward? And then he comes back from the one game suspension. I thought he played really well down the stretch. Of course, had that huge interception against the Dallas Cowboys that in a really significant way propelled them to victory. It was a totally different Jair Alexander at the end. Then you get a little bit of a, a cryptic Instagram post of like thanking, I think he was just like thanking Green Bay. I didn't make much of that. But now the conversation has turned to, will the Packers trade away Jair Alexander? Do they still want Jair Alexander? Does Jair Alexander want to be on the Green Bay Packers? That, that one game suspension, and Matt basically mentioned it in his press conference saying it's never just one thing. It felt like an accumulation of stuff, whether it was a disagreement on when to return from the injury, whether it was some of his antics in the locker room, whether it was his on-field play and not being as good of a run defender or a tackler as he used to be. Even some of the coverage stuff wasn't quite as good. Green Bay suspended him and clearly wanted to see a response out of that. I think the really good news here is they got it. Jair seemed to focus in and hone in on his play on the field. He was much better towards the end of the season, had that huge interception, as we mentioned, against the Cowboys, and looked like Jair Alexander. Let's start with the simplest piece of this first. When you sign Jair Alexander, let's even take it a step before that. When you draft Jair Alexander in the top 15, 16 of the draft, whatever it was, and then you develop him and he becomes a all-pro player and you give him a huge contract, your goal isn't to trade him away or suspend him or any of the stuff that's happened. Your goal is to have him be a all-pro corner on your roster. That's the type of player that every single team in the NFL wants. And if he plays like that, it's just a no-brainer. He's, he's on the roster. You don't care what contract you're paying him. You will take a first-team all-pro corner on that contract every single time with zero concern. And I believe that Green Bay wanted to you know, have that in part that one-game suspension to see what the response was going to be like. Do we need to trade away this guy? If he comes back and he just completely shuts down and he's like, you know, screw this. I'm not playing for this team. They suspended me. They disrespected me. I want out of here. And it just, it, it's a disaster and completely toxic from there on out. They kind of get their answer of like, all right, we need to move on from this guy. If he responds and he becomes an all pro corner again and plays, even if he's not all pro, right? If he's of a, just a really great NFL corner, like you're, you're winning. That's a great result. And my belief wholeheartedly is that Green Bay wants Jair you know, on this roster and they just want him to play at the level that he's capable of playing at. And the great news is, is that we saw that towards the end of the season after his suspension. And with that in mind, I don't think Green Bay is going into this offseason thinking we need to trade Jair Alexander. Do I think that they would potentially consider it if some team just, you know, made them a offer they couldn't refuse? Sure, but that goes for literally almost every single player, probably non-quarterback in the entire league. If you make an offer you can't refuse, you literally by definition can't refuse it. But I don't think they're going into this being like, all right, how the heck do we get out of this situation? I think they're going into this offseason thinking, all right, we took a real solid step. Matt LaFleur said it at his end of season press conference that he loved the way that Jair responded to the, you know, the the suspension and how he played at the end of the season and how his attitude was. Jair seemed to take it seriously. He seemed to recognize that, okay, at least to some part, he was at fault. 
I thought the Packers did a great job of explaining that they were at fault too and that they had things to learn from that situation. And it seems from the outside looking in that that relationship is, if not fully repaired, well on the process to being repaired. Or maybe even just it's not a, it's a non-issue. We, we don't know, but it looks like it's trending at worst in the right direction. And that's a real positive step. Now, from a salary cap standpoint, Jair Alexander, you take an additional $3.47 million cap hit by either cutting him or trading him away. And let's just be clear. They're not releasing him, but barring a Antonio Brown-esque breakdown where there's no value for him on the trade market. And by the way, even when Antonio Brown had some breakdowns, he still had a trade market. But barring something crazy, he would have a trade market. So cut is just out of the question. And so if there does come something um, where they decide to trade him or need to trade him, they would actually pay more next season for having him off the roster than if he was on the roster. Now, the I don't know if you want to call it good news, but the talking point here is that $3.47 million is not that much. Meaning, if you felt it was necessary for the state of the team to trade him, you can live with that. You could trade him post-June 1st, but usually with trades that both teams just want to get it done, uh, especially prior to June 1st. So you can do mini camps and uh, you know OTAs and some of that stuff that happens prior to June 1st. So it would be done before that. But $3.47 million is not a deal breaker. You can work around that. It's not the end of the world. So if you did need to trade Jair Alexander, you could do it. But there's, for a variety of different reasons, uh, a lot of reasons where it's just not advantageous to do so. You don't want to give up on a corner that has a ton of talent. You don't want to take on more salary cap and a bunch of dead salary cap for a guy that's not on your roster. And coming off two seasons where he hasn't played his best and he got suspended. And now there's potentially, if you're looking to trade him, maybe some aura of toxicity around him. It's probably the worst time in the world to trade him and get a good ROI for him. So for all of those reasons, I don't think it makes a ton of sense. And I don't think that Green Bay is going into the offseason thinking, hey, let's figure out a way to trade away Jair Alexander. However, there are always like little, you know, crumbs left behind or where there's smoke, there's fire, whatever lame cliche you want to use, where maybe we're not seeing the whole picture from the outside. Maybe Matt and Goody are putting on a nice face and saying, yeah, we loved how we responded, but really they're thinking like, yeah, we're saying that so that there's a trade market for him and we really want to move on from this guy and we want to, you know, just kind of get rid of that from the locker room, whatever it might be. I don't think that's the case. I think they're legitimately trending in the right direction, but maybe there's something else there. Maybe Jair put on a nice face to end the season, but he was maybe really disrespected from the the suspension. And in, in private is thinking, as soon as the season's done, I'm out. I need a new home. I need to get out of Green Bay. I just need a different locker room. And maybe both of them, maybe they both sit down and have a conversation this offseason and say, hey, we loved how you responded, but we think it's time to go in a different direction. And Jair says, that's great because, you know, we we got some stuff done at the end of the year. It was good, but I would also like a change of scenery. And maybe it just makes sense. And the $3.47 million isn't a deal breaker. And by the way, regardless of whether he's coming off two of his not great seasons and some injury riddled years and... um you know, obviously the suspension, there will absolutely be a trade market for Jair Alexander if they decide to put him on the market. Now, whether that is what you want in return, meaning like at least a first round pick, that's a little bit tougher to say. Could it be a second round pick? That sounds probably a little bit more feasible as like a top second round pick or something like that for some of these shoulder issues that he's had for the larger contract, for all those sort of things. But 
it wouldn't shock me if the bidding got to like a first round pick for Jair and like a third round pick or a fourth round pick, something like that. And there's probably a way to squeeze a first round pick out of it. And again, we just don't know what the dynamic is between Jair and his agent and the Packers at this point. And if they do just want to go in a completely different direction, or maybe they realize that with, you know, they're going to play a style of defense that isn't super beneficial to Jair, whatever it might be, there are worlds of possibility where they just want to go in a different direction. And if that's the case, they have the ability to do so. So to lay it out as in its simplest, easiest terms, I don't think they want to move on from Jair. As far as I know, and I don't know much about it, but I don't think Jair wants to go somewhere else. At least he has not made that demand, you know, public at this point. I don't think that Green Bay wants to take on the, the dead cap hit. And I don't think they want to take less on their, you know, return for what they would normally get if he was playing, you know, great football and was not recently suspended and injured. I think they just want him to play really great corner on the outside. And maybe the last point here is it's not like you trade away Jair and just have this embarrassment of riches at corner moving forward. Right now on the roster, you've got Eric Stokes and Carrington Valentine, like Zion Gilbert, you know, some practice squad guys, but it's basically Stokes and, and Valentine as your lone remaining corners. Nixon's a free agent, Valentine's a free agent, and nobody else is, else is even worth bringing up in the conversation. So if you trade away Jair, you basically need to go into the offseason like completely rebuilding your secondary. I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't think it's super feasible, but if you said that there was a big trade this season, the Packers traded away a big player, I mean, to me, it's Jair. I don't know that even there's anyone else really in the conversation. That would be the big player that got traded away. I don't know if they'd go back to back to back seasons of trading away Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, and Jair Alexander, but it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. And that will be one name that we kind of have to keep an eye on through the remainder of this offseason just to see how things progress. But I put it at like a 95% chance that he's back with the team next year. Hey friends, everyone this time of year is trying to get their year started off on the right foot and I am certainly no different. Football season takes its toll on me. So now is the time for me to start eating healthier, getting more sleep and getting the year started right. But eating healthy isn't always the easiest and it's far too time consuming to constantly run to the store or the butcher for healthy, fresh cuts of meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for me. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meats and seafood delivered directly to your door on your schedule. Choose from over 70 high quality cuts of meat, including my favorite, 100% grass-fed ribeyes. You guys have to see the marbling on these things. They are beyond delicious and they melt in your mouth. Add a little sea salt, a little black pepper, a little garlic powder. They are to die for. I know you're all busy and you're probably listening to this now running errands, mowing the lawn or driving your kids to soccer practice. And that's exactly why the ease of Good Chop is going to be so perfect for you. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74 and they pride themselves on sourcing meat that comes with no antibiotics or added hormones ever. They're so confident in their quality of cuts that they offer a 100% money back guarantee. So go to goodchop.com slash packaday120 and use code packaday120 to get $120 off your first four boxes. That's code packaday120 at goodchop.com slash packaday120 for $120 off. goodchop.com slash packaday120 with code packaday120. Hey there. 
I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Number two is an interesting one. Number two is a very interesting one. And I don't think they would do this one either, just to put it out there and be crystal clear. But number two on my list is Christian Watson. I don't think this is another player where you would get the return that you would want and make it worth your while. They spent a high second round pick. In fact, they spent two second round picks to move up in the second round to get him. He breaks out at the end of 2022, had some incredible moments in 2023, and was basically injured through the rest of that. But when he's been on the field, especially end of 2022, he looked incredible. I don't know that necessarily another team's just going to be like, yeah, we'll give you you know two second round picks in return. I think you're losing on your investment here. So why, why even bring it up? Here's where I see a potential situation where you could trade away Christian Watson. That's if you are sitting on the clock at pick 25 and, or, and you get to or 26, wherever they're selecting, it's somewhere in the 20s, and you get on the clock and the best player available is a wide receiver. And you want to take that wide receiver. And it would be like somewhat stunning after Goody has never taken a first round pick and it's been since Javon Walker that they've, you know, used a, a first round pick on a wide receiver. It'd be stunning that of all seasons, now when you've got this like cupboard full of talented wide receivers, that now is the year that you're going to take one. But if you get there and he's the best player available and you take him, now you have too many. You have too many. Because you can't go into a season with a first-round wide receiver and Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, Malik Heath, Bo Melton, Samore Toure, Grant Dubose. That's nine right there. Like at minimum, you have to just cut two of those guys because you're not keeping more than seven on the roster. And then two of more of those guys don't even get to play. Like, and then of the five left, you're not only splitting snaps with those five, you now have Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft to battle with, Aaron Jones to battle with. That is a lot of weapons. And while you can never have too many weapons, that might be too many weapons. It's just, there's just not enough, you know, you know, food to go around for all those mouths to feed. I would think that if they drafted a wide receiver in the first round, they would probably need to move on from one of their other wide receivers and probably in some sort of trade that would bring back another young, talented player in return. 
And I think Christian Watson would be the logical one in that scenario. You're not trading away Wicks. You're not trading away, um, you know, Jaden Reed. You're not going to get any, you know, ROI or any like big deal for Bo Melton or, or Malik Heath and certainly not some more Toure. I don't think you get a ton for Romeo Dobbs, which kind of makes it that Christian Watson would be the obvious answer. He's had some injury issues. He's been really impressive when he's been healthy and you probably could get someone decent in return for Watson. So you trade from an area of strength for an area of weakness, and maybe you trade away a Christian Watson for a starting corner or a starting safety, a young, talented player where maybe another team has just too many safeties or too many corners or whatever it might be. And maybe you just make that swap. Now, last year, there was the Jonathan Taylor for Christian Watson rumors. I don't know that that would go anywhere, but if you want to call the Colts back and say, hey, hey, you know, last year we talked about Christian Watson for Jonathan Taylor. Do you want to do you want to get back on the phone and just kind of, you know, talk about that? Or maybe it's not Jonathan Taylor, but let's take a look at the rest of your roster and see what maybe we can make work. But that would be the one scenario. Do I think it's super likely? No. Do I think Goody's probably taking a wide receiver in round one? No. But if you get, even if it's a second round, right? If you get into like a top 50 pick situation and they draft a wide receiver in the top 50, you just probably need to move on from someone. And the name that makes the most sense at that point is Watson. So that's where I'm at. I don't like, again, not super likely, but not entirely out of the realm of possibility either. Number three, I am not going to spend a ton of time with because coming up very soon, I'm going to do a full episode on the David Bakhtiari situation. And to make this super simple, I don't think David Bakhtiari has any legitimate trade value, period. End of story. I've seen people say like, use him in a move to trade up, or I just don't believe that he has legitimate trade value in 2024 when no team can go into next season. Not the Packers, not Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. No team can have any confidence that he is going to play any snaps. They don't know, like they're going to be on pins and needles on every play of like, is this going to be his last play? Every single time they they might get to camp and be like, well, he has fluid in his knee again, and now he's not going to play the entire season. That amounts to at his age with his injury history, zero trade value. But, but you have a GM in New York named Aaron Rodgers who probably wants his friend back on the team if he were to become available. And that offensive line in New York is atrocious. And sometimes players don't make the best GMs. We kind of saw that a little bit in New York last year. So while I don't think any team in their right mind would have any trade value on David Bakhtiari, the New York Jets aren't necessarily thinking with their right mind. They are in bizarro world and trying to figure out how to you know put a team around Aaron Rodgers that he's going to be happy with that they can go out and succeed. And if he thinks that his you know, golf cart riding giraffe buddy is going to be the missing piece. And he thinks that it takes a trade to do so. And Green Bay calls up and say, hey, if you want boxing, we're going to keep them. They bluff and say, we're going to keep them if you don't trade for them. And the Jets say, fine, we'll give you a six round pick. Fine. You get a six round pick for it. It's something. So again, I'll, I'll break down the entire Bakhtiari situation in much greater detail in the very near future. My overall take is zero trade value, except for one team who isn't operating in the normal situations and circumstances of a normal NFL franchise. And because of that, he might, might have some trade value. We'll see. But that would be the only way, in my opinion, that Bakhtiari gets traded. He has to be healthy first. And then if he is healthy and the Jets are willing to take the risk and probably only the Jets, you probably get a late, late day three pick, sixth or seventh round pick uh, at best in that exchange. 
And that's where I see that happening. But do not believe David Bakhtiari would be traded. But so far, Alexander one, Watson two, David Bakhtiari three. Number four is Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes' fifth-year option, not going to be exercised, would be my guess. He is on the last year of his deal, if that is in fact the case. He hasn't basically played in almost two full seasons. When he has played in this past two years, he has not looked great. You have to question whether or not he's going to get his speed back. The only, the main thing that made him still a sound, talented corner was his speed. He was not technically sound. He was not, you know, super gifted at the art of cornerback. He was fast. He was strong. He was big. He had every physical trait that you needed. But now some of those physical traits, specifically his speed and maybe a little bit of his change of direction, which already was not one of his superpowers, are probably a little bit diminished based on all the injuries that he has had. This is probably more of a, you get to camp, you recognize that he's not going to have a role on your team and he's just not the same guy. And some team that maybe had a high draft grade on him is willing to say, hey, let's do a, you know, one of those kind of garbage for garbage swaps. And I don't mean that as like Stokes is garbage or he can't play. I'm hoping that he comes back and is better than ever and he can be a starter in Green Bay. This, that's a more likely scenario than what I'm talking through right now. I'm just saying if he gets to camp and Green Bay doesn't have him in their plans and he just doesn't look the same, maybe you make one of those back of the roster swaps with some other team who has a young player on their team that's struggling or had an injury and you just give them a, a change of scenery and see if they can make it work. That's how I could see this playing out with Stokes. The better guess is that they give him every opportunity to earn back his, his, his spot. Clearly, they still thought highly of him this season where when he was back from injury, they started him for basically the entire game and then he got re-injured again. But it would have to be one of those situations where he just doesn't look the same and Green Bay doesn't trust him to stay on the field anymore. And if that were, be, were to be the case, I do think for a former first round pick who's shown in his rookie season that he can go out there and compete, I think somebody would take a flyer on it. Maybe a seventh round pick, maybe a change of scenery trade, maybe something, but I don't think they just have to outright release him. I think somebody would take a chance. So that would be number four on my list. Number five, you're going to laugh at. You're going to make fun of me for it, guys. You're going to make fun of me. Number five on my list is not an offensive player, not a defensive player is the one, the only, Anders Carlson. And if you just spit out your drink and said, Andy, 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 you're going to run a Packers channel and you're going to get me to believe that somebody's going to trade, trade actual compensation for Anders Carlson, you have some explaining to do. And so I shall. Do I think that right now, as I'm recording this, that Anders Carlson has any trade value? I do not. I do not believe that any team is going to call Green Bay up and say, hey, we have a great idea. We want to give you stuff for your kicker that struggled mightily last year. That sounds like a good idea to us. Would you be interested in that deal? And Green Bay would say, yes, we would. Well, let's have this conversation. Nobody's calling up and asking for Anders Carlson right now. But I think it's safe to say that Green Bay is going to bring in some level of competition. They've already brought in what Jack Podlesny or you know, a kicker from Georgia undrafted guy last year, spent a cup of coffee with the Vikings. They already brought in some competition. My guess is they're going to bring in stiffer competition come training camp, draft, something. They're going to bring in somebody that competes. The way that he has trade value is if you go through camp in preseason and you've got your 
competition kicker in Anders Carlson, and the competition kicker is amazing and clearly the winner, but Carlson has an awesome camp in preseason, and he's just drilling almost everything. Now, it's hard to find a jump to the, you know, to, to find the avenue, the, the thin line where they don't keep Anders, because if Anderson has a great camp, even if the, you know, the competition kicks a little bit better, they probably just keep Anders. So it's going to have to be a situation where like you found a, like the next Justin Tucker and Anderson has a great off season and training camp and preseason and other teams notice. And some teams willing, like, has their kicker get injured. There's not a lot of great kickers out there. So if they take notice and say, man, this kicker, he kicked for Green Bay last year, was a sixth round pick, and now he looks even better and he's crushing everything. Like, we'll, we'll trade a seventh round pick for that and get our kicker situ- you know, situation solidified. That I could see happening, but it's going to have to be where the competition wins out. He has a great camp in preseason and some team is willing to give like a seventh round pick for Anders Carlson to make him their kicker of the future. That's how that would play out. Likely, again, not super likely. This is not the situation where you have a Devontae Adams or an Aaron Rodgers or we're going to be talking about leverage all offseason. There's just not a ton of players that you either want to trade away, you you either want to keep them for your core or B, that other teams are going to have a ton of value in. It's kind of either your core guys or more scrap heap guys, or we have to sort of get to these bizarro situations where the Jair and Packers situation just becomes too toxic or they both want to go in a different direction. You draft a different wide receiver, so you almost have to get one of yours and Christian Watson makes the most sense. The David Bakhtiari situation where the Jets come calling because of Aaron Rodgers. Eric Stokes doesn't pan out, doesn't look good in camp and you do some sort of change of scenery trade or you end up in a situation where you bring in competition for Carlson. The competition wins, but Carlson still looks great and actually finds some trade value. I don't know that any of those, like I said, are super likely, but if you said, hey, guess what? If you went into the future and came back and told me with certainty, the Packers made a trade this offseason. Do you want to guess at who it was? Those would be my five guesses. Jair Alexander, Christian Watson, David Bakhtiari, Eric Stokes, and Anders Carlson. Not super likely, but a fun conversation nonetheless. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll be right back here tomorrow. Oh, by the way, let me know if you think of somebody that I didn't. Let me know if there's a trade candidate out there that you think could legitimately go to another team and that Green Bay could get solid value in return. I'd be very interested in your thoughts. Let me know if one of these seems more likely than the others. I would love to hear your thoughts in the comments below if you are watching on YouTube. Make sure to check out those Packaday Podcast YouTube memberships. If you haven't been watching the Daily Draft with Ross Uglum, you are missing freaking out. He is killing those. So make sure to check out those every single weekday. I'll be back here tomorrow. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wayne, John Wild, Jay Bradad, Brandon Paletta, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donna Lee, Lori Lord, Baby QB, and David McCluskey. I will see you guys soon, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. 